Oh, you want me to catch jellyfish for you? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Glasshouse Games and our review show Reflections. I'm Shay and today I'm joined by Alex P in the studio. Hello. And Alex CG Remote. Hello there. This week we're reflecting on Spiritfarer by Thunder Lotus Games. If you're new to Reflections, this is how it works. We've all played the game and we're going to talk about our individual experiences at length. So there will be spoilers, you have been warned. At the end, we will then give it an official Glasshouse Games verdict. How we decide that is each panelist will individually rate the game on a scale from like all the way up to hate. And our magical algorithm defines, determines even, <laughs> the official Glasshouse Games seal of approval or disapproval. Could go either way. Um, so as I mentioned, Spirit Vera was made by Thunder Lotus Games of Jotun. That's been debated as to whether or not it's actually pronounced Jotun, like that. Jotun, 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 in it. Um, <laughs> and Sundered Fame. Uh, have either of you played those games? I want to play Sundered. Mm. Uh, we talked about this game a little bit on that book club. Mm. And Sam was all about that Sundered. I believe okay. she said better than Hollow Knight. Yeah, yeah, she Whoa. did. She made that bold claim. So um, while playing this, I... It's at least it's it's piqued my interest mm -hmm. to play Sundered at least. Likewise, yeah. Whenever I look at this um, game, like online, people always mention like, "Oh, Sundered is really worth checking out." So that might be good to do. Getting round to another video game. We'll see. We gotta play more games. <laughs> more games? Nah, that's fake. Um, so <laughs> Spiritfarer, um, as described in our book club episode two, um, is a cozy resource management game about death slash dying. Um, it's very that. It is that indeed. Um, I think it came at like a pretty interesting time um, because one of the biggest games this year, Animal Crossing, uh, could be like compared and like described as a resource management game. And really about death. <laughs> <laughs> the slow death of capitalism. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I wonder if I should say this. I feel like you wish all the villagers in Animal Crossing had died, died. <laughs> especially the ugly ones. <laughs> they died the harshest deaths. No, what were no. you saying? Um, like Animal Crossing sort of gave me what's a non-terrible way to say blue balls. Like I just <laughs> that's what um, Animal Crossing. You, you felt you were wanting. You were. Felt uh, yeah, you I wanted <laughs> so much more from Animal Crossing. Left wanting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Spiritfarer picked a lot of that up. Um, yeah, I don't know. You two are both like way more familiar with resource management games than I am. Correct? I'm just assuming that. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. I yeah. think Alex P probably more say. so than myself, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, well, probably one of my favorite games this year is pretty much a resource game. Factorio is just like about efficiency of resource gathering and using um i i guess we'll probably talk more about you know how the resource mechanics and stuff work in spirit fair but i'm a little bit reluctant to say that it's like it's a resource management game like mm -hmm. there's elements of it in a way that there are 
sometimes not in the spirit fair but you know roguelike elements in games i wouldn't call them necessarily a roguelike or something where there's resource management elements in this game but it doesn't really ever feel like a resource management game and i don't think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think the resource management is almost a at first i was really heartened that it gave the game more of like an actual structure to it to do things but mm-hmm. i think as you play the game and as well i'm sure we'll talk about the resource management is almost like a pretense for the story that it's trying to tell and that can i guess succeed and fail in different ways but the it, it's not clear to me that i think it's almost maybe like the sims is a better comparison of like this kind of like mm-hmm. life management where the resources kind of come into it but um mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily you, you could build your boat and you could build the houses and the different places in it. But it's not it's definitely not Factorio. <laughs> it's, it's something much. <laughs> it's broader strokes. And yeah. because it's not it's not about the resources anyway. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, it's not the strength of the game. Isn't that isn't about yeah. managing your ship in a way. It's more of yeah. something that's kind of carrying you between between moment to yeah. moment mm. yeah yeah i i sort of see it as like the resource management is a way like they've weaved in the story with the resource management so wherever you're like going to grab stuff to then craft stuff for your spirits yeah. on your ship yeah. i suppose um yeah like that that's how i sort of read it as somebody who does not play these games at all um <laughs> yeah i read it in like the purest literal definition of that um so yeah setting up the story um stella the main character is a palliative care nurse helping to increase the quality of life of patients with serious illnesses she inherits the role of spirit fairer from the previous fairy master sharon sharon Sharon. <laughs> sharon sharon, oh, sharon. Yeah. <laughs> i think it's um Sharon, Sharon. I mean, I don't, not the pronunciation I know, but I'm pretty sure that that's like a uh, mythical. Yeah, uh, very yeah. much draws on themes of Greek mythology. <laughs> One of those old ones. <laughs> um, yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's in there. Somewhere. <laughs> we'll put it in the links and, uh, below. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, yeah, she's tasked with helping these souls pass through the Everdor. Um, as far as I can tell, all the spirits who end up on your big old boat are connected to Stella in some way. They're all people that she knew in her life, um, either directly or indirectly. Um, so yeah, the story and characters, they are a big part of this game. What do you think? That's a big question, but. There's so much that um, I feel like we could delve into with this. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> if, there's, if there's anything that this game brings, it's this incredible atmosphere and this, you know, the every, we'll, we'll talk about it, but the graphics, the music, the, the, uh, the animation and these really really like subtle and uh you know close like closely written characters with their stories uh it's it's a i mean for me at least i'll say it outright like that aspect of the game was the part that i really jived mm-hmm. with and it's interesting the way you introduced it because i maybe i played it over too long of a time but i kind of by the end of the game i had picked up all these clues but i actually didn't fully realize the thing about the nurse thing until I started reading about the game afterwards. And I think, um, I know for some people it was frustrating. I think for me, I really liked the the hints, the way this game dropped lots of hints, but didn't necessarily force you to a particular conclusion. So it's all yeah. kind of there for you to understand if you want to look for it. But if you could equally kind of miss quite a bit, there's even an extra character. Like there's a lot of things that you might not get in your first playthrough. Uh, and and yeah, I really, I really like that. And at the same time, I don't think you, like while you might miss out on something 
you might not ever know that you missed out on something mm. and it doesn't yeah. ever it doesn't feel like it ever detracts from the story that you get because yeah. if anything it just means that you're kind of uh you know you're not dumping your bucket into a bunch of other buckets you still you can have a almost maybe a stronger experience with these other characters because mm. you didn't yeah. have to dilute it with the um with other ones that maybe you, you wouldn't even have cared about yeah. But I think that you kind of touched on that. The, I think that a lot of the strength in the game is the is the writing of the character, writing of your experience with the characters. It actually reminded me a lot of, um, and we talked about it in our Fire Emblem Three Houses uh, reflections, where you don't actually have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of scenes with each character. You know, when you're working up your relationship, and there's like I don't know three or four scenes. Mm -hmm. um, realistically only with them and mm -hmm. but you end up feeling like you have such a strong understanding of that character and even caring for that character mm -hmm. and it reminded me a lot of that where you there's a lot there's a lot of just playing like the mini games and resource collecting in this game and not that many scenes that are really diving into the depth of the characters but you still feel like you come away with a deep understanding of mm -hmm. of them and i think there's there's something really strong in them in the writing of them where they communicate so much with so little mm. yeah how, how does yeah, that compare I, to um, animal crossing for you because i know i don't I know <laughs> well, shay, you gonna, shay you were gonna ask that question i think but like i know that i think a while ago you'd mentioned this of, and then maybe even shay you did as well of like that this because of the time it came out like it kind of fe feels like it's responding to a game design issue we were having with animal crossing of the genericness of the npcs and stuff yeah, like I remember you saying distinctly that this game kind of did everything that you sort of wanted from Animal Crossing or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. But, um, yeah, it killed all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that's that's sort of why I set up the story in the way that I did because I didn't I didn't put those dots together about like Stella being this nurse. Like there isn't a whole like there isn't a ton of exposition which is like really funny coming from other games where it's just like here's all this information whereas mm -hmm. like um in spirit fairy you really have to like look between the lines um to kind of get to the meat and potatoes of the and it story. feels i mean this is going a bit deeper i guess but it actually feels congruent with the world that they're building mm -hmm. so I, my understanding of the story and the world is that you that everybody goes through this mm -hmm. like this is everyone's personal purgatory or uh, whatever that they have to go through to process their own death and you process all the connections you made in your mm -hmm. own life uh, that's why everybody you know all the animals were um were creatures mm -hmm. uh that sorry people that she had known in her real life and that everything else was just noise uh, maybe these were unfinished connections or something through uh through her own life but nobody nobody remembers anything about their life right like even the characters that she's trying to um trying to learn about or or come to know in this afterlife they don't have memories of uh they only have like small little snippets of things but they don't remember her mm -hmm. and you it's like you having to rebuild this this connection well there's there's the then, uncle for uh, example some of them do mention you know oh stella mm -hmm. when you were young xyz that's true I think actually, it's kind yeah of, yeah uh, i think there's a little bit there i did but i I would say it's not emphasized to that degree. Like each character has their own autonomy. Snippets of, of memories, yeah. And some of them, I guess, do include um, do include Stella. You're right. But but I was gonna say, do, how, can we just talk about that this this underworld or this like purgatory for a second? Because I think it's 
really refreshing for me. Like, uh, again, m- maybe there's an aspect in which <laughs> this game is very, it highlights the aesthetics first and foremost, you know, so to cover up some of the systems underneath. But I just thought it was such a unique world. Like, it, it wasn't some typical, even like Hades, which has been like praised, I think, rightfully. You know, it's working with an existing like myth that we all kind of are familiar mm-hmm. with to, to a greater or lesser degree. But this was like, it's a different kind of idea of an afterlife. Like it, it, there's a whole civilization, there's different civilizations. There's like European looking ones and there's Japanese looking ones. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of different people and they eat and they sleep and they have jobs, you know? So it's like a very different kind of idea of the afterlife. Did you guys like that or did it resonate with you at all? So again, from what I could like sort of find out, once I sort of stopped playing, I was like, right, okay, I need to go and like read up everything that I missed because <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I missed a lot. Um, but basically, Same. they're all like places that are like very important to Stella's life. So yeah. um, like her family, if I have this right, her family like emigrated from France to yeah. the states. Yeah, and that's what some of those like kind of generic names are sounding. Yeah. But then she like went and like. I think spent a year like traveling in Japan. Yeah. And that's where you've got those kind of areas that represent that. And that's when she meets those people that are tied to those moments in her life, um, which I thought was like really clever and something that completely went over my head, like, <laughs> sort of playing through it initially. But you don't, you don't have to pick up mm. on those things because you can either just appreciate, oh, this is a nice little environment. Mm-hmm. Or when you actually do scratch a bit deeper, you realize that it is part of this further world building of, of a i mean it's a created afterlife right like it's not something like you said cg it's not something that's pulling directly from from an existing mythos aside from sharon in the in the the concept of a of a ocean sticks um Mm -hmm. and i think that that was i i really enjoyed i guess discovering this uh the concept of this afterlife or i mean Mm -hmm. not even afterlife right this is the pre-afterlife period Mm -hmm. the five seconds after you die when your brain is like all um is uh is piecing it all together and i yeah i mean i think that those familiar but familiar but different areas of the world i mean it plays into the whole the whole i guess it's a theory obviously it's not confirmed either here or there but that this is everybody goes through this in their own way you know Mm -hmm. that uh, this is this is a bespoke experience that stella had and everybody else will be going through their own um yeah their own piecing i, it I do like the open-endedness of it though in the sense that like well you could kind of i think canonically there is some stuff because i was reading afterwards as well where they're like okay this is you know she was this palliative nurse and you know this is then she ended up getting sick and then now she's going mm-hmm. through these things but i think the game is like kind enough to you as a player that that that's one way of seeing it but i think there it is enough that you could you, you kind of are left with this question of like is this like alex said is this what everyone goes through is this mm-hmm. just is it inflected differently for different people like that owl creature that you meet like part part way through the game multiple times kind of hints like i think they say a few times like i've always been a part of you and you know you're just like now you're coming to terms with me or something like that mm-hmm. like you're, you're finally realizing that you have to accept me and i read that almost like more so than just her having a disease or anything is almost you know it's just that kind of basic thing of that aspect of life and death that is in, within everyone that we have that that potential that experiences within us and it just oh, it's only at the end of your life when you finally have to grapple with that but i mean come on you guys 
did am I the only one? Am I just a softy? Like, am I the only one who fucking cried like crazy when I was playing <laughs> this game? Like, this is the thing. I we're gonna well, we'll get into this, but I just it's such a weird experience for me because there's so many things that I, there's mechanically that I actually have an issue with in this game. Mm-hmm. But fuck, mm-hmm. if I did not have an emotional time, like every single time I had to take someone to the to the I was playing in Spanish, mm-hmm. so I actually just learned recently it was called the Everdoor. It's La Puerta Eterna in Spanish. Ooh. And uh, I, every time I had to take someone to La Puerta Eterna, I was like, it w- I actually, when a game can succeed in making you do irrational things, that something is going on. And so repeatedly throughout that game, I ha- you know, passengers would say to me, okay, I think I'm ready to go. And I'd be like, nope, sorry. <laughs> Staying on the boat with me. We're not going. And I would just do it until I had like too many passengers and the story wouldn't progress. <laughs> And then I'd have to start like sort of. So you had to kill them off to make <laughs> yeah. them for new ones. <laughs> did this? Did this happen to anyone else? No, because sometimes you don't get a choice. Like with your uncle, like mm. he just yeah, he yeah, just yeah, disappears. Yeah, you- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of mad at him. I mean, I get it. Like, but I was kind of mad at Uncle for. I mean, or maybe I was mad at the game for because I I don't remember which which um, like chronologically which one. Uh, he left after because I remember the deer was maybe the first one mm-hmm. um, but I had almost built up uh, oh, I had his... built up like a readiness for to for him yeah. to go and then like of actually having that canoe um, trip down to the Everdoor and all of a sudden like well there's even the scenes before it with like the party and everything and I'm like yeah, yeah I mean we're getting ready for uh, getting ready for <laughs> uncle mm-hmm. uh, and then you're kind of robbed of that mm-hmm. and I'd that I didn't think that that was a that was a good move because that's something that happens in life all the time that you're robbed yeah. of experiences that you're prepared for and wanting to have, yeah. but it was um, <laughs> it wasn't traumatic. But come on, I was I was mad. What I about was mad that Stanley? I didn't Did you take. guys get Stanley? Oh, was he the um the mushroom? The mushroom that kid. Batman? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was little Stanley. Little Stanley, <laughs> I'm, you know, and he's just this like little kid. And, and, you know, they drop these hints that he might have been like abused or something. Like, yeah, he describes being in like a dark room. He's a dead eight year old, right? So yeah, well, like, well, but, I mean, if she's happen. a if she's a nurse, you know, there's this like I guess this idea That's that true, he yeah. could have been in like the cancer ward or something. But like, yeah. but still, he didn't have Much a nice better, childhood. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Less sad than the other option. <laughs> but like, yeah, just uh, it's interesting because I think mecha- this is what what I mean mechanically is like one thing I wish this game had done more of is that I don't want a hard mode. I know, I know I'm a one trick pony. It's not that I want a hard mode. I just, I wanted a bit more of an impact on, of your actions because in the first half of the game, I was really trying hard to make sure they were all pleased and hugging the shit out of them, feeding Mm -hmm. them and all the right foods and stuff. And then as you play through, you start to realize that like, unfortunately the rewards you get for doing it like i didn't treat them poorly but you you just you don't really get that much and nothing really happens if you don't do it yeah so if anything it just means that you're yeah. playing the game longer mm. yeah exactly exactly like and so i i i don't know if it would what it would exactly require if they have a more in-depth simulation thing that wouldn't feel like a drag or tedious but mm-hmm. so i what i mean is i love the characters and i love the environment and the atmosphere so much and there were a few times where it felt like I could see someone, and I think I've read some reviews of like if you, if you're not completely sold by the atmosphere and like the the story and the way it looks and everything, I think those underneath elements are going to shine through more and be more annoying to you. <laughs> you like I was able to forgive them because I was invested, yeah. but if you're if you're not, then you know 
I definitely can see that for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's hard not to get invested though, because like you said, like you got so into like the uncle's story, and then him sort of leaving was just like, oh man, like, <laughs> and I think that's the really good um, representation of like you know not really getting closure. Which yeah, I have like a theory about this, like that relates to the Last of Us Part Two, but we'll get into that. Later. <laughs> um, I wanted to say like I think this game. Um, like it sort of explores death as this, I don't want to say positive thing, but it doesn't yeah. explore it as this like inherently negative thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, like basically this was quoted in a PC game article from Rachel Watts, which I will link to below. Um, the creator director, him, creative director himself, sorry, um, Nicholas Guarin says, it's been a journey, I can tell you that. One of the very first intentions we had was to not impose a message on people. We didn't really want to say something specific, except that we wanted to get accustomed to talking about death more. It's a haunting subject. It's both extremely common and extremely dramatic. Mm. And I think like, yeah, I think those kind of moments where you're not really left with closure or it feels like, I don't want to keep saying closure blue balls. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, like where well, you're left wanting more with, um, yeah, with how you approach your relationship with the characters, I think is a really good one-to-one um, representation of not having that closure in person. What did, what was the, do you, do you want to hint at the last of us two connection? Or are you saving this? Am I saving this? Um, <laughs> No, you know what we can we can get we can get onto that right now. So, basically, I I think these games are kind of similar in that they're about similar things, right? In that they're about death, and dying, and like closure and the effect that that has on people's lives. It's just that The Last of Us Part Two takes a very violent approach yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, where you're literally bludgeoning your way through hordes of people, and then. Spirit Fairer kind of shows you that, yeah, you know, closure is is a very hard thing to kind of get a grasp on. But here's a way that, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because of the cheery graphics that I've like <laughs> subscribed this thing to it. But I, I think thoughts. I think what Spirit Fairer does differently is that it gives you more control over while over your own like investment in the in the characters and the Mm -hmm. story and when things happen and how things happen like i don't while uh, there's very strong narrative elements in spirit fair it's not like a narrative cinematic experience like the last of us part two where in that it's it's ellie's uh story and you can obviously relate to ellie but it's also told in a way that is very structured Mm -hmm. um i don't particularly like the structure that it was told in but that's a (laughs) watch our last of us <laughs> part two <laughs> reflections uh it's told in a structure that like you're there for you're along for the ride um enjoy or don't or whatever where spirit fair you you have a lot more you feel a lot more you're not stella but you feel a lot more like vicariously through her mm-hmm. and it's not you're not just watching her story you're you're part of it and you're guiding it you're almost like the you're almost like her spirit fairer, right? Mm -hmm. As she's the spirit fairer. And I think that allowed me to have, to feel a lot more connected to what she could potentially be feeling in those moments and feel the, feel those emotions more directly than, than through just sort of the two dimensional way that I would be watching a film or something like Mm -hmm. that. And and I think it's also not an, an, you know, while while some people might be like, how could you compare this triple A game, this thing? But at the end of the day, it's all about game design, you know, and, and game design, you have choices, there's forks in the road of directions you can go. And I actually think it's kind of perfect, Shay, because I have a chip on my shoulder about realism. 
and I really dislike it, realism as it approaches like a genre trope. And it's kind of funny to me that in some in something which is so filled with death that you do feel. I mean, from what I understand, I'm not going to pretend I've played The Last of Us Two. There are ways in which it can be powerful, but you know, it, it's a game that is filled with a voyeurism of violence, and you're constantly killing, and death is always happening. And so the way that you experience loss and emotion and attachment and all this stuff, it it relies heavily on a different kind of structure, like Alex said, which is this narrative thing it's being told to you you're watching it partially like a cinematic experience it's being kind of rammed into you and it's just funny to me that like a game which is ostensibly about like making numbers go up you know and just running around and like oh here's my loom i'm making silk and wool and stuff <laughs> carrots can, can, yeah carrots can actually i don't i don't think it's trivial it's it is it's not that you know one should be uh what do you call it mutually exclusive with the other it's just it's a it's an important thing for all of us to reflect on of like do you do you necessarily when somebody says how do you represent something do you necessarily need to like be like oh it's about death show a bunch of people getting mowed down and viscerally mauled in order for us to understand what death is like this game isn't violent but it's very it's still very very emotional and taps into things that like all of us have probably experienced on some level like the loss of a loved one or a friend or anyone you know and so yeah i just think it's this is what to me despite the problems this is what the promise of indie games is is because you can you can have a smaller team stabbing like taking a stab at a really strange concept maybe failing in some ways but doing something kind of new and that's what i felt with this it was taking elements of all these existing genres and doing it in a new way and making me feel more than you know any metal i love metal gear solid you know but like making me feel more than any <laughs> mgs or like kojima style heavily narrated game that i've played in a long time like you know you flirted at the idea of talking about the mechanics have at so i want to know what you think oh such an interesting question um i think <laughs> that is so <laughs> sarcastic no i was serious I was mechanics in a video game <laughs> no, no 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 i'm serious because it's such a th this is the thing i think the game has when I, when I started playing it i was so heartened that unlike some other indie games i've played recently that were so heavy on story that the mechanics were almost like non-existent. I was like, whoa, there's like, there's actual systems here. And some of them are kind of cool. Like you could build all these different parts of your boat. You can end up building like zip lines around. You got all these different upgrades. You've got like different NPCs and they have different likes and dislikes. And, you know, if you give them this food, they'll be happier. And then they'll give you things too. And they can help you with your resources. I think just there's sort of like a two-part thing and i think i've read a lot of people online having the same experience even people who liked it like you you feel that at the beginning of the game and then after the first third or first half of the game you start to realize what we were saying earlier of like if you don't feed people doesn't really necessarily change anything even if you do feed them like i don't know if this happened to you but i was they were giving me like here's here's one copper and i was like <laughs> i've got like 40 copper like that's nothing you know and like you get these like kind of minuscule rewards and 
what one thing that I, I don't like in games is when your inventory becomes so big that everything is just like an item in an Excel spreadsheet. And at first it didn't feel like that. It felt like everything was very precious. But I got mm -hmm. to a point where I was like, I, I was I was like, why am I cooking anymore? Like I actually don't even need to cook. Like I can just feed them random stuff. And if they don't like it, I'll just keep mashing until I find the right thing. Or I even stopped watering my plants. And I was like, well, you know, unless I explicitly need a specific, you know, carrot because Mickey is bullying me to tell me he wants carrots. You know, there's no reason for me to do this. So I think there's a lot there. They feel like real systems, like farming systems, like Stardew Valley or whatever these things are. Yeah. But I think the luster does, I think you really have to be invested because as you play more, it's, it starts to feel like busy work, you know? And, and the mini games, it's like a cool idea of like, oh, hold down the button, align the <laughs> logs. Like, can you get those, can you saw the logs correctly? But, I hated that one. Oh yeah, God. but you know, eventually, it, you know, it's nice. Oh, I'm gonna set a destination and then in the next two minutes, I'll just like go about some tasks. But I just found it was unfortunately, it, it dragged the game down a little bit for me yeah. because it just didn't feel like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you guys go and we'll, I think I'm very conflicted um, on this. Um, I, in a way, I like that there isn't an optimal play style. Like it's a departure yeah. from, uh, you know, I guess specifically something like Factorio where you're working on the, towards the optimal. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that optimal is, it's entirely irrelevant. All it, it doesn't really affect your journey in any way. Um, like you said, you, maybe you play for an extra hour or not, or you play an, an hour quicker or something like that if you did something really, really optimal. And I, it didn't try to create a system that, you know, it's not a game about creating a system of better flows. And I think that deliberately, I think that was deliberate because it helps keep, unless you're actively trying to do that, it helps keep the game in a very like chill and meditative state. Mm -hmm. uh, the atmosphere reflects that really like you never feel there's never really an urgency to do anything mm -hmm. um and if anything you're actually using those it becomes a point where you're using those mini games as almost a crutch right like there were times that you yeah. said cg that you didn't it's not time to go what are you talking about we're gonna go we're gonna go water the, the potatoes we're not gonna take <laughs> you to the other door like stanley we'll come water the potatoes find anything me. else to do Find anything you just else let to me do die, please? Then take them to the Everdoor. <laughs> like you're you're filling the time. You're procrastinating. Like all of those mini games, yeah. they become like a crutch for you to procrastinate with. Yeah. And obviously, in a way, that feels really strong conceptually, like yeah. as a concept of actually giving you these things to do because you can't. You're not ready to face the mm. grief of of letting go is really strong right like as, as an idea but it still plays into that you still have to do some a lot of this stuff to upgrade yeah. to, to progress the story and so it it does drag it does become uh the resource gathering gathering itself becomes unrewarding yeah um and i mean this game isn't about it's not really about the journey it didn't feel like it wasn't about the journey because the journey feels a lot like it's just this resource gathering in mini games mm. um it's more of those are things that are bringing you point to point with your characters and i was trying yeah. to think about why this game didn't actually feel like an epic journey like whatever final fantasy games or something like that and i think in a way that 
because a lot of the at least the good Final Fantasy games, like those mini games and things, the side quests, they feel very chunky. They feel like something that you're getting invested in itself, like triple triad card game or mm. uh, Chocobo Racing or something like that. Those are things that are like, those are as strong of memories I have of those games as any of the as any of the story beats are sometimes even stronger. Mm. Well, they're also a relief but, from a very yeah, intense exactly. roller coaster ride, you know. Versus the stuff in here felt more like, felt, at first I was like, okay, I guess this is fine, like a cute, like a little game that I'm playing uh, that feels more than just mashing X or whatever, collecting, but then you realize how much you have to do it over the course of 25 hours. Yeah. And it does, it takes away from that epic feeling for sure they get repetitive and any lack of depth which felt just refreshing from the get-go because it was just this quick little thing becomes a chore and yeah. it's weird that you have that you have chores yeah. <laughs> in purgatory every time like the uncle came through with his flute for a thunderstorm i just wanted to take that flute and snap <laughs> it like no more like it was just yeah and i think i think i agree quite strongly that like i i like i said previously i do tend to bounce off of these games because it just felt like after a, war a while i was hitting a wall with these mm. mini games it just felt like okay this is why i don't play resource management well it's games. weird because <laughs> i mean i love I, I love stardew valley for example which has much more much more much less involved mini games right like everything is is really just hold x or whatever mm -hmm. um and i was i was trying to figure out why the resource gathering and management in this game felt so much less rewarding than for example in stardew valley and i think it really is because stardew valley is trying to reach beyond the mundane and like grasp those ineffable moments in life um i mean i i, I have a very warm memory of stardew valley and how i felt playing it but it was when i think of it it's not a singular moment through stardew valley that i remember like that's not the warmth that comes from it it's the the feeling that I had when playing that where you got into just sort of like a you got into a cozy state because everything felt like it was just whatever you could do or whatever you wanted to do was up to you and you could take your time you could speed through it it was just you know sort of that world is your oyster and it was special because of the mental state that it puts you in versus this game's spirit fairer is special because of the actual characters that you're interacting with mm -hmm. and the things that it makes you the things that it makes you feel not a state that it puts you in but the things that it makes you feel directly because of those moments that it's that it's putting you in i have memories specifically of spirit fair characters and moments in the game i don't have any specific moments or memories that i remember from stardew valley it's just like the memory of playing it is its own hmm. and i mean it's also in stardew valley it's also like in any good research management game like that or farming sim or something there there's a more like there's a clo closer feedback loop of like reward yeah. and risk and stuff you know so like the reward you're getting in stardew valley is you're getting money and and money actually does something you know like yeah. you can do stuff in the world with it and you kind of can in spirit fair you can make your boat bigger you can get upgrades you need to get different houses and things like that but there, there comes to be a point where it's they're kind of just lock and key mechanisms like you just need but you to have that to do it in spirit to, fair right like exactly. you have to, to do it to, to open do it. up yeah yeah but in exactly. stardew valley open it's, up the next phase yeah in stardew valley it's entirely just at your own volition as you want yeah. to to as you want to you know yeah and which is the funny thing because this game sorry. offers you so much freedom in one respect because you can do things kind of in any order but then in another respect it does kind of have these like gates that it funnels you towards and so 
I feel like you feel that compared to a more open-ended game, you feel some of that stricture when you're like, okay, I'm going to play it however I want. And you're like, wait, I can't play it however I want. Like I need to play it a particular way. And that, that, that kind of dissonance. And like I said, some of the food stuff, like I was still excited at this idea of, of having to get to know my characters because it fits mechanically with their story. But when I realized that I could feed most people just like cherries, you know, or like I could just <laughs> stuff their faces full of like one item. It does. It's a shame. And it's I'm not saying I have this like genius solution, but it it does affect you, my ability to inter- engage in the story. Yeah, because like like I said, I do agree with what you're saying, but I do think that the sort of lock and key mechanism does help to forward the story along even though it yeah. is a bit tedious that is yeah. genuinely how the story goes on it's like you have to sort of meet these conditions and by meeting these yeah. conditions you need to like do all the resource gathering yeah um, yeah i think if, i mean i'm not trying to redesign the game i, no, think no, I actually want to know what you would do <laughs> i am that. i'm <laughs> trying to redesign the game i think it's almost that it's either either you would have the the you'd either go full on one way or the other like mm-hmm. make it so that the resource gathering is you can keep even the same mini games keep everything the same but just like have the amount of resources for everything mm-hmm. so that yeah. everything feels like it's much and maybe like uh, as well that the time's on that you have to wait for cooking coal or whatever like everything <laughs> just be shorter and faster and need less and fewer resources uh so that uh, because like I said, I don't particularly, I didn't particularly hate any of the games when I was first playing them. It was only because I had to I play them. I think you said when we were talking amongst ourselves that, I think Shay asked you and you said, I liked them as long as I was playing them. Like you, you weren't <laughs> thinking about them after you played the mini game. You were just like, yeah. I'm fishing, I need to fish and now I'm done fishing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was also, I was maybe, you know, when Shay asked, I was maybe halfway through the game. So I hadn't yeah. even been to the period where I hadn't gotten to the point where I was like, Gotta fish again. <laughs> Gotta cut these fucking logs again. <laughs> uh, Gotta plant these logs inside a giant turtle. So if I had to do them half the amount of time, then I probably yeah. would have ended it still feeling like, yeah, those were nice. Those were a nice mm-hmm. difference of like either just holding X to do whatever or having to do some like huge involved game just to get wood. Like it was a nice in between, but I just had to do too many of them. So either go that end of just like making it way less frequent and way less intensive or go wildly on the other end and have a huge <laughs> game that takes a lot long probably a lot longer than 25 hours to play mm. but the the all of the systems feel much more fleshed out and much more rewarding which i mean would have to be a full design doc right of like how they're going here's to my, here's how they're my going take, to do folks. that but here's my take you just need to do you know games have been doing this more and more you just need an option for different game modes when you start that's it you need a casual mode or a story mode and then you need a sim mode or something because people who want to play the game for what it kind of is meant to be play mm. it like this. I think it's, it's fine if you know what you're getting into, but I think without making it a hard mode, like this game, it could just, it could just use a little hack, like a little bit of a mod that just makes it so that like, you know, for example, like Mickey bullies people and that's like part of his character and it, and it makes people sad. Right. But at the end of the day, it doesn't do anything. Like, it doesn't really matter. If Mickey bullies people, nothing changes. It would be great to just have a little thing of, like, if you let Mickey bully people for too long and you're not keeping everyone happy, not that your boat sinks or something, but just that, like, oh, uh, you know, uh, Gustav is staying in his room and he's not coming out. And, like, he, it's not that he's going to stop you from doing the story, but, like, maybe he gives you a nice item and you're used to getting the nice item from him. And you're like, oh, shit, I really... 
poor Gustav. I need to go like cheer him up and talk to Mickey. Just little things like that. Like I agree that the, yeah. if you if you reduce the amount of like resources and maybe make things a bit snappier, but also just making there be realistic consequences because they build yeah. up this pretense. That's the problem. If there was no pretense that you could affect the characters' lives, it also it wouldn't really matter. But there is this whole system where you can see their happiness and you're like, ooh, I can do this and I can do that. And to just kind of realize that maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if there's if the game is affected. Like if you keep someone at a certain happiness level when you bring them to the Everdoor, then they tell, say something different. I don't think it's like that. I think that you get the same message no matter what. So it's just that kind of thing of like it, it kind of teases us with the idea that it's possible. But then it doesn't seem like it is. I My justification for this mm-hmm. in my brain is that... Yeah. Because it's like the afterlife, they're all bloody dead, isn't it? They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. That's yeah. like... <laughs> but it affects our it affects our own. Mm. Like I, the strongest point of this game is the connections that you make, uh, and yeah. the moments that you feel with characters. But the things that CG are talking about mm-hmm. make the characters feel more feel more lifeless sure. and i yeah. not yeah. no pun intended and i guess you could say that they feel more static sure. right they feel yeah. like you aren't when you start to pull back the facade and realize that you're not actually having an effect on them mm-hmm. then it's then how why then why would they have an effect on me yeah um yeah. which even even just the upgrading the buildings you know like i i was so invested i was like yeah i gotta upgrade the houses mm. and do this stuff but then you kind of start to realize, like, un- unless you desperately need a particular resource, like, I got sheep, I got cows, I got, did I ever use them? N- not once. I-, I just built the thing because I was like, I got cows now. Fermentation, <laughs> like, this is the problem. Like, you get, it's almost like a weird boomerang or a slingshot thing where at the beginning you're really weak and you need as much as you can. But then yeah. there's this middle period where you get quite, like, strong in the game terms. So mm. by the time I earned, like, the fermentation, again, I- I'm doing it in Spanish, so I don't know what it is in English, but, like, the thing where you can ferment things, the cows, the sheep, like there's all these cool buildings, but like other than the the smelting and the ore stuff, which you need quite a lot, they don't seem like it's cool if you want to make all the recipes, but there's no like need to do it. And far be it from me to say like, therefore you shouldn't have it, but it's just like, you'll see when, when we talk about the conclusion of this game, I really like this game. Like, I'm not saying that it's spoilers. It <laughs> it's just, it just, it felt like, it's imperfect. I mean, what am I going to tell this like group of people who pulled together this like amazing thing? Work on it harder. But if I'm being honest, just like from a critical perspective, it, it feels like if it had, I always say like another six months or another year of just kind mm. of like thinking about the game mechanics, maybe it would be different. Maybe they've already put out, um, I think the company's put out like polls to the community about DLC and stuff. I would love mm-hmm. to see in like a year or two from now that people who play Spiritfarer for the first time have like mode options or something. Or they, okay, you want to play it on like, survival mode or something not yeah. not, not punishing but just making it because so also can i just mention let me let me finish my rant alex <laughs> that the islands like think the, the, there's the whole kinetic element of moving around and finding all the islands and that's really cool at first and i was you know the islands tell you oh there's a treasure here and you're like oh there's treasures and for a while i was trying to find every single treasure you guys know me like i'm like i need <laughs> to find all the treasures but then there's this horrible for me this like disappointing realization that what I was getting out of the treasures was kind of nothing. Like I'm just getting more seeds. Oh, aluminium. Like, very One. rarely. <laughs> yeah. Like very rarely do you get something that is like meaningful enough to make you want to find those treasures. And then I just stopped looking for them. And it's a shame because that's one of the incentives other than actually talking to the characters, which mm-hmm. there's like side quests. There's tons of little side quests. If you just talk to the, like the generic ghost people, but other than that, like 
it, it just felt like a, a missed there's a missed opportunity there for something more you know i was just gonna say that um that yeah it'd be cool if this had options to play your story mode or your sim experience but that they would still yeah. need to i think go back to the drawing board with how to design yeah, the yeah. simulation end of the game the management end of the mm -hmm. game because we're talking about it right now that our least favorite part of that is is the management the resource management of it because it didn't feel impactful enough and it was too yeah it was like it was too much for the amount of impact that it had in the game and so they'd have to like address that right they'd have to go back and make that yeah. something that's really rewarding and then say okay you can play the game either in story mode or play it with this really rewarding yeah. thing that amplifies everything around you and makes it feel like a huge journey there were a few times where the game was like self-referential to its own mechanics and it works really well one mm -hmm. is the atul sorry what's his name in, in english he's the frog that's it, it. that's yeah. it yeah atul okay there's uh atul like the game is teaching you people are around and you get to you get to shepherd them to the end and then it takes it away from you like cool that's that's using the mechanics well to me uh elena i don't know if you guys got elena mm -hmm. she, uh, she's like the mm -hmm. dog like professor person yeah she's the quite hound. mean but yeah, th so the game teaches you, if you want to make people happy, hug them. And then you meet someone, and you try and hug them, and they get pissed if you try and hug them. Or if you try and upgrade her house. I upgraded her entire house, and then her happiness went down to zero, practically, <laughs> because she was like, I, I like to live in austere circumstances. I was like, oh, shit, okay. Like, there, there are moments when it feels like they're getting, they're touching on that, but yeah. I can only think of, like, two or three of them in the entire game. So let's talk about the art. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful game. Man. I mean, if this game looked differently, maybe I'd feel differently about it. But it, mm -hmm. they've they've done an amazing job. Differently, really, really like detailed. If it looked like cyberpunk, <laughs> there is a cyberpunk connection. I'm bringing it up at the end. Um, I think that there's a lot of games um, that are. Uh, hand-drawn animated however you want to say that that feel a bit much um and I, I guess i think i remember talking about this when you brought it up at book club but this game is very charming while still feeling restrained mm. and um i think that restraint it actually shows through in all of the moments we when we talked about you know the writing the writing is restrained it doesn't ever feel like it's it's laying on the melodrama or anything like that everything about everything about the game is restrained and it's and it's exemplified in the art style and um it reminds me a lot both it reminds me a lot of Nino Kuni uh Wrath of the White Witch um which is another game that's about death and and grieving more so about grieving realistically but the emotional investment that it asks of you is is a lot and I think it's really important that this restraint is there because I it's a very fine line when you start getting into things that can be you know emotions and making mm -hmm. you feel things where if it goes over that line you're like what the fuck is this melodramatic bullshit <laughs> you know and it doesn't step over that line and i think that's a really important it's a really important like realization that the developers and artists have where if they had made this too cute if they had made it too like droopy eyes kind of thing uh it just it would have yeah it would have felt it would have felt too much for me this game 
finds power in this restraint that it brings to the game um and where it it would have fallen apart for me and that's what happened with nino kuni 2 where they took both the art style and the writing up to another not up to another level but like adjacently over the street of of sap and poured it on and it just got too too sweet for me you know mm-hmm. and i it it totally lost it for me uh with nino kuni too but spear affair is very much in that realm of of you know subtlety that that amplifies everything it's trying to do because it doesn't force anything on you it is that it's a very beautiful well-written uh it's pretty without feeling you know too much mm-hmm. <laughs> i um no i agree and i think you know you think about the animations even of the individual characters like where it mattered the most you know when you go up to someone you go to astrid and you give her a hug and she kind of just like collapses onto your arms mm-hmm. or uh stanley as well who just jumps onto you because he's like a child or giovanni who's like super just like oh i'm the shit and like he, but he reluctantly kind of comes down to hug you what's interesting too is if you pick off on some of the lore like you know astrid and giovanni were involved they were like partisan fighters you, you get this sense that they were in some kind of war possibly world war ii and astrid mm-hmm. talks about like hiding essentially what amounts to jewish refugees in her basement so it's like you have this really cute looking art style but it's not like leaning into it's not like a wet town it's not a strand like game you know it's like it's a it's a very different feel and even just the locations like i don't know about you but whenever i found a new island this is this is the amazing thing about a game like this is that you can have these mechanics that kind of feel a bit off and you're like okay is it but is this tedious and then i would just find a new island and i would be like ah like you know you get the zoom out picture of it and Mm. and finding the different uh, biomes of like i thought okay i thought it was going to be mostly these like you know japanese looking islands but then you find the like british looking kind of like european looking islands and Mm. all of that stuff the the dragons you know like you know even the dragon minigame which it's such a beautiful metaphor like summer and her relationship with this demon that is both like her cancer and then possibly just her own sort of struggles that she's dealing with with her life and her partner and the company she used to work for and i think sort of like hinting that she got poisoned and stuff but the dragons themselves like the minigame is kind of pointless it's not even a challenge but just you know seeing the different kinds seeing the turtles seeing the lighthouses i think they forefronted the design of this game for sure like they put so much thought into the aesthetics that maybe that's why some of the other things were a bit lacking because they were so keen on getting that right but I, w- I would say that it, sometimes it, it walks that line, but I think it mostly does what um, Alex is saying, that it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't go, it doesn't become a Pixar movie. You know, it, it's, it's trying to, it has its own unique world and it's building it and it's not apologizing for it. And I just think, yeah, it's, it's a very, very beautiful looking game. It's its own unique world, but still feels very grounded in our, yeah. in our actual real world. And I think that, I think really helps um like it helps stop it from becoming this melodramatic piece of content media (laughs) yeah yeah, it very easily could fall into like melodrama which i'm so allergic to um but i remember like the art style being like when i was watching the trailer for it it was the first thing i noticed obs and it was just like (laughs) yeah that's 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 gonna be a good videoed game (laughs) Um, how did you feel about the moments when you bring someone to the everdoor as well like just the physical like bringing them and then having them go up into the sky and stuff 
<laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just so my in my notes, like I I was really trying not to make this like a really somber episode. And even when you mentioned it earlier on about you boohooing, I was like, I'm gonna leave them alone in that island. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna get too vulnerable. But um yeah, those those moments feel very special and very crafted because it is this journey that you go on with these characters and then it builds up to this moment and then it's yeah, this kind of beautiful crescendo where you're just like, Oh, that happened. Yeah. Someone cutting onions. I mean they were my favorite <laughs> moments. Um, the only thing is that we, I had to then also go back and like edit out for the, for the developers, the moments that felt like anachronistic or that didn't make sense. Um, like, what do you mean? I mean, for example, I think, um, Giovanni is like spending the whole time sort of professing his love for Astrid and, Mm -hmm. um, and despite, you know, kind of being a dick or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, like he, he's saying goodbyes but doesn't even look at astrid mm-hmm. when they're go before they get on the on the canoe yeah and it's i mean just i feel like you it, could read it, that as his own shame in a way yeah mm-hmm. maybe but oh this is the one that came off the top of my head there was a few moments yeah. that uh that when i was in there i was like this is really nice but what wait what and but it's more that more played into the whole thing that these characters if you were going a little bit deeper and actually trying to invest yourself in all of the systems that the game gave you offer it only made it more clear that the characters were static pieces, right? That they yeah. they had their they were animatronics that kind of had their things to say that were really beautiful things, mm-hmm. but uh, they the actual depth that they had mechanically be, that shallowness kind of if you interacted with it enough, it it had the power to bring down the narrative and emotional moments. Those those narrative and emotional moments were strong enough where I still I wanted to to have them, but I had to sort of like forget about the other part of the game mm-hmm. uh to make the most of them which obviously what, what about shepherding the, 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 the little hedgehog woman you know she couldn't yeah, walk no, properly I, yeah so and, and that's like a union of mechanics and the animation as well because she she looks small and frail and then they're like yeah she yeah. actually is small and frail and you have to like physically yeah. help her i mean it's that was the peak yeah those were great those were great i more meant like the whole other aspect of the simulation and resource no, gathering and you, stuff and how you didn't have an effect on them that way but mm-hmm. I mean, one uh, time when I was shepherding Mickey off to the afterlife, uh, he, his, Mickey and Gus, is it? Or what's the brother? The, uh, I don't remember the name. No, Buck is, oh, the, that's the, is the, no, Buck is the dragon yeah. thing. Well, the, um, the two brothers, which by the way, I didn't realize until the end that it was the hummingbird one that was talking most of the time <laughs> and not yeah. the big bull. But like, yeah. there were some glitches. Can we just say this? There was, on my version, at least on the Switch, there was some glitches. My game crashed oh. a lot. And I had moments like with Mickey and the brother I was lowering him onto the boat and he just disappeared. <laughs> it was like, this is this emotional moment. And he's just like, Boop. I'm like, oh, um, I guess he's dead. I don't know. You know. Did you play it on Switch as well? I did. Yeah. I didn't get any bugs. Really? So. I played on what? PC, Do you have a newer revision than me? I wonder if it's like Maybe. having an older Switch or something. Because oh, yeah, I've seen a few people online saying it. Animal Crossing one, don't you? I sure do. <laughs> but I waited months. Yeah. We were good. I actually really wanted to find out the name of that other character because I'm really disappointed in myself that for the first time ever I got a name wrong. That hurt. Yeah, Should I find it for you. Mark Thank it. you, please. What's the what's water the one buffalo, character we do know? It's the water Mickey. buffalo and um, Mickey and brother spirit fair. Um, but it's not a it's not a hummingbird, right? It's like those things that live on top of yeah. water buffaloes Maybe. that are like picking the parasites out of their eyes. Ew. Brother yeah. Bruce. It's what they do. Is that the name? Mickey Bruce? and Bruce. Yeah. Oh, 
I knew it Bruce. began with B. Bruce. Bruce, okay. Well done. Oh, Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Just Was that worth it? it? Uh, mm, it's debatable. Um, so, <laughs> obviously, we're talking about the art style. And, again, I had a thought. And those are rare. Um, Come on now. So, May 2020... I don't know if you remember, there was the Wholesome Games Direct that happened. Um, I had to go and look this up to go and yeah confirm how this whole movement started. And obviously, because it's the internet, there was a whole bunch of discourse about this. So um, I've got it in my notes. Uh, yeah, it featured 54 cute and cozy indie games. That's a quote uh, from a wide variety of developers. Um, as you can imagine, they all had a certain specific aesthetic. aesthetic to them it was all like sort of low poly like very chill music and basically the gist of the discourse was that and this is how i interpreted it is that these wholesome games were sort of born as this knee-jerk reaction to the triple a space being dominated by mm. these like kind of big old like muscly brutes like hacking and slashing their way through hordes and hordes of enemies so then you've got this whole like wholesome games movement which is this these games that are very very similar to each other some people say i'm not don't <laughs> come for me i'm not saying that they're all the same but they, they do bear some similarities um and yeah i just i don't know i don't know if you guys had any thoughts about this is there like a middle ground between these two things i feel like for what it's worth that spirit fairer isn't this it hasn't yeah. been tweeified, and that's a word yeah. that I'm making up. I mean, it's um, a cozy game, mm -hmm. but it's not. I mean, in a way, I think that that's almost a. I mean, it's reductionist in a way of all these things. Mm -hmm. Like, and these art styles, video games, like anything, has moved in in aesthetic movements um, where there's been a you know an influx of this of a certain style, which then gets the. Um, the inverse of it or something that is goes so to address it like in the two generations ago you had all these brown and gray games mm. which almost exemplified by fallout 3 which when then mm. there was the reaction to it with fallout 4 and bright popping color mm -hmm. colors and everything and these things i feel like they just happen in movements just like in painting you had movements aesthetic movements and they all end up just building towards a bigger palette from which to draw from for future future art styles um, and it's just right now or the last couple of years or since Stardew Valley or whatever, however you want to say it, like there's just, yeah, there's been an influx of these quote unquote cute and cuddly and, and, uh, maybe twee games, but tweeified. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that, I don't think it's a movement that's like taking over video games. I think no, it's no. just, it's, there's an amount of games that are happening now that yeah, are in reaction to, to your gods of wars and stuff like that but i think it's just building towards a a greater lexicon of of video game aesthetics i mean in less capable hands like alex has been saying if this was a if this was a worse developer i think it could have ended up in in a some sort of um you know a, a purely superficial trap of being like if we make it cute then it'll have but but we have these serious themes it'll have depth but it's way subtler than that and there's a lot of yeah. love and care in this game so mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't feel like it's instrumentalized or tokenized or anything i mean it's it's a funny point because in a way you're like you could kind of slightly disprove the idea because it's like oh well indie games are this and triple a games are this then you're like yeah indie games like uh you know um binding of isaac or like enter the gungeon mm -hmm. or something which are these incredibly violent games i mean i think there's something to be said for i do think that these games this is what i was going to bring up uh spirit failures 
Sparrowfarer's trailer was first announced directly after Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. <laughs> and there was this interview with the dev that I read before our show that was like, they were really worried about how it was going to be received because you had this like Cyberpunk 2077 and Keanu Reeves being like, the strange things afoot at the Circle K and then people freaking <laughs> out. And then all of a sudden it cuts to this thing that's just like soothing piano music and just like, you know, this completely different approach. And I don't, I think, I will, I will say, I, I, I agree with Alex, I'm slightly more cynical that I think there are ways that the industry is very self-aware, like a company like Microsoft or any of these big companies that like they can kind of take advantage of the a certain demographic of people, uh, maybe sometimes older people or specific kinds of, you know, like I'm sure they've done their analytics and their metrics, you know, like I know that the stereotype back in the day was point and click adventure games were more for women. You know, because it was like, oh, this is like a contemplative thing and it's not about shooting things. So, like, I'm sure there's somebody who's crunched the numbers at Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, and they're thinking like, oh, there's like there's money to be made in this cute shit. Let's put some money in that. And and I don't I actually wouldn't say that it's just about expanding the palette. I think I'm trying to think I, I, I don't have anything off the top of my head, but I'm I, like I almost would, positive we could think of examples I agree with of games you. that are you know shallow in that respect. Um, I agree with you that it, yeah. it's not the I didn't mean to mean that the um that the motive for making the games were to expand the palette. That's just what happens. That's the end result. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, yeah. you know, you obviously like once, once impressionist painters became the, <laughs> became, became the go-to to fill your houses with, that's what all, all the painters were like, fuck, I'm making impressionist painting now. Uh, it wasn't just like, because well, get, they were like, what I'm trying to think of is, can we think of an example of a game that, because I do think there are, I think there are games that are kind of like, they sell themselves almost in, and honestly, to be honest, hot take right here right now you could say animal crossing is one of those games because because yeah. it has the mechanics and it has a tradition and a legacy it's and a franchise and whatever but <laughs> and, but but it really is like it's it is kind of only about its cuteness maybe you could even say like pokemon games and some of like that mm -hmm. genre we'll come up with a better list someday but my point is like i think maybe i hope we're all in agreement that spirit fair feels like it's a it's more subtle than that and it's not just it kind of it, it fits into these existing trends that are happening and isn't just like a cynical you know yeah, of course it's not that it wasn't made as a response to cyberpunk 2077 it just happened to be it just happened to be shown directly after the you know that trailer i think i mean you can i'm sure that you can probably draw timelines of a really huge game that had a specific art style and then yeah. a bunch of games that even if they maybe had an art style in earlier development, kind of shifted the slider on their yeah. color palette to, to be more Genshin impact because was like, they mm? see. Yeah, I mean, there's what Breath of the Stardew Wild Valley. The chat. Stardew Valley made a guy like an overnight millionaire, and yeah. you think that there weren't just a bunch of other uh, independent video yeah. game designers and developers who were like, well, yeah, I want mine too. I mean, you could go back to Cave Story, for example, which is another yeah, yeah, one-man yeah. job. So I think yeah. that movement has been happening for quite a Fez and all that stuff. Yeah. But if you guys say anything less than like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um... Where this game falls short, CG. <laughs> what you neglected to realize is that compared to Factorio... <laughs> the buttons. I think you'll find. The buttons in Factorio are far more satisfying. I mean, whatever. The button. The buttons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Go on. Give, I, give I, it to us, Alex P. No, I do like the game. I like the game. Uh, where it does fall short, though, <laughs> for me, CG. And I'm on, saying yes. this as far as where it doesn't become a love is. I mean, it's the stuff that we talked about, I guess. It doesn't. 
the strongest bits of it are that character driven mm-hmm. moments and I had a lot of connections with characters, but they themselves, after a while, they started to feel static. Um, only through all of these, only th- it became evident that they were static. Obviously, we talked about you know all of the different resource management and gathering systems that never felt f- fleshed out enough um, to feel rewarding. And I mean, a lot of that is like. I felt like I was the only person on the ship that was ever doing a goddamn thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, sometimes you'd find people, like, randomly, whatever, watering a single carrot one time in the whole week or whatever, but, like, I'm I'm doing a, doing a job here. Why Summer. do you want to put these spirits to work? Like, <laughs> It's just, like, I felt like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing all this work, and they're just... What are they doing? They got a free ride. <laughs> I want to play... I want to play Spirit Fair in, in where, where Stella's been on the Spirit job. Fair. Where, where Stella's been on the job for 30 years and just jaded and doesn't give a shit about her passengers anymore. <laughs> Back of the boat, sister! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep quiet! Maybe water a potato once in a while. <laughs> um, oh, you want me to catch jellyfish for you? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I kind of mentioned, you know, sometimes the small moments I had to kind of edit the edit that staticness of the characters out Mm. so that I could feel the most of it. But like I said, I still very much have strong character driven memories of this game. And I don't think that that, um, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to fade. So Mm -hmm. it's, while it's not a love, it's still very, it's a strong like, so. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I'm about the same. I wanted to love this game because this was like my most anticipated game for this year. But, yeah, just, I hit, I mean, I hit a wall with video games in Q4 anyway, but Q4, it's not. Um, That's industry uh, lingo for you folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, it was just a lot. And like I said, I bounce off of these so hard, but the character driven moments and just how grounded it felt, I think is what really kind of kept me going and then kind of sitting with myself and then looking up, you know, all of the bits that I didn't necessarily fill in for myself um, that really like sold the experience to me. Um, yeah. So I liked it. You you liked it. Okay. I liked it. I like well, it a lot. <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to come at you with a hot take here. I, um, I also like, Games which have a lot of potential and fail that potential often are the ones that feel like they almost feel worse or like they they, they hurt you more than ones that are just straight up bad. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think if, if I'm being honest, if I'm not trying to pretend there's a super objective scale where I can be like, well, this is better than this. And so this is an objectively better experience. If I just think about the time I had with this game, you know, like I every single time I had to move someone on, I had to call my partner into the room to just like be with me and you know i it was able to i think what's beautiful about this game is that in spite of these flaws like it, it feels so close i wonder if it's almost like a you know somebody who played minecraft at the very beginning versus now would be like holy crap like this is so much has been added to this game i don't think spirit fair is going to be like that necessarily but <laughs> I, I desperately hope that they polish it a little bit and they varnish it because what i see like some of the moments i experienced in this game they just if i'm being honest they just nothing i've played recently made me feel the way this game has made me feel and i i mechanically i want to be like no this is not 
S tier design, you know, there's still, it's so flawed, but if I'm just being like straight up about my experience, I love this game. <laughs> I'm going to say love because I, I think it will be dishonest to my own like emotional experience of it. And, and I also, maybe I'm the wrong person to say this cause I really like mediocre things as well. So I'm like, Oh, <laughs> did you play that? Like that, that like rare 73 hour square, square Enix RPG from like 1994 where you have to like press the same button for like 40 hours straight. <laughs> so maybe I'm the wrong person to say that, but I don't know. I think like everything people are saying, the world feels very grounded. It's, it's an afterlife that is like this weird, bizarro inflection of our own world there's like businesses and unions and strikes and mm. all kinds of things happening in this world it's original the art style like we talked about the music i mean we haven't even had a chance to really delve into it i think probably the verdict is just the music is fucking amazing <laughs> it's mm. very very well done very you know ambient and beautiful uh i think they've what i would love to see is not like a spirit fair 2 even like expand this game sure but i want to just see more like the way that Supergiant does their games, where they, they kind of like riff on themes, like every time they make a new game, I would love to see Thunder Lotus just like take this concept in a in another direction or something. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I was impressed and made me cry pretty much every single time. And I hope that Buck is he the dragon? I hope that yeah. Buck in, in my head can is that is that Buck becomes the next Spirit Fair because if you oh, notice, he's the okay. only one that didn't he's passed through the door before, you know, so. Here's to you, Buck. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's Buck. to you, Buck. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I, I love this game. So that's a love from me. I want to officially recommend to, to both of you to go and play Nino Kuni, the first one. Mm. It's not a super I actually long. Actually, haven't. So, yeah. uh, it's not a super long game. To even though it's a, I think it's a Squeenix game. Maybe I'm. Wrong. I think it is. I don't know but, if they um, published it. Yeah, we'll have to check. I mean, it's it's made in collaboration with Studio. Ghibli? 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 Ghibli, I think. Right? Uh, but it's it's just this, it has very much the same vibe of like a very restrained, vic huh? telling a, a very emotional story vicariously. So you're still, you're being still told a story, but you can experience it through the eyes of another character. Okay. Um, and just very All right, well All that's our handled. homework. We're going to come back to you after we've played <laughs> Nino <Kuni. laughs> I'd love that. We'll see. I, like I said, I have space for one more video game this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so what does that make our verdict? All in all, it is a like yes. from Glasshouse Games. We liked Spiritfarer. Um, that's that's fair. I think that's that's good. I was kind of hoping my vote would somehow outweigh. It would be like yeah. doubly weighted, you know. Like I think if the there was a college. second love or a sec mm. uh, fourth person on here with a love, it would have gone up. Yeah. Not on this <laughs> show. Um, <laughs> So, if you have any thoughts on Spiritfarer, leave a comment here on YouTube. Or if you're listening, remember you can email us at community at glasshouse.games or you can tweet us at GHG Show. You can watch more of our shows on YouTube or you can listen to audio-only versions on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying our content and feel that way inclined, please consider supporting us on Patreon, which you can find the link to below. Thanks to Alex P and Alex CG for being wonderful panelists. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Um, thanks, as always, to the wonderful, illustrious, oh my God. legendary <laughs> Kit. Cheers. <laughs> and as always, to Dan C. Parks for the music, too. Uh, we'll have another Reflections for you soon. If you have any suggestions on what you'd like us to deep dive, please let us know as well. I've been Shay. Talk again soon. Bye.